Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. You can find me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we normally go over, uh, we would go over uh, yesterday's slate. Talk a little bit about today's slate. Uh, we may talk a little bit more about today's slate than normal because uh, uh, Sunday slates are always just whatever. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of people don't play on the weekend, but uh, we, we always, on Mondays, you know what we do on Mondays? Mondays with McCool, it's James McCool, paydirt underscore DFS. You can find his site, paydirt.ghost.io. He's the co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player. You can pick that up, theoryofdfs.com. James, 11 days. 11 days to baseball. I know, I know I, every Monday we get closer and closer. I'm like, I'm, this NBA season. I mean, now, now, now we're getting to the point. Well, like LeBron's out for a while. LaMelo Ball, he's probably out for the season. We're going to get, we're going to start getting rotations now with studs not playing and teams tanking and, and, you know, like every day is going to be an adventure, right? It, it, but it already is. Uh, today, uh, I mean, we have Giannis out, right? Today, today's today's slate. We have Giannis out, and we have Kemba resting. Wall is questionable. Uh, SGA is questionable. Gobert is questionable. Even I mean, I think he played the last time he was on the Q tag. Uh, I, 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 at what point are we? Are, are you going to be sick of this shit? <laughs> I've been sick of this shit since December, dude. <laughs> frankly I, I this this slate is kind of like the beginning of what we're gonna call like the, the end beginning of the end yeah the beginning <laughs> of the end um because with the lebron news and with the lamella ball news and with Giannis being doubtful like Kemba resting we you're right we're gonna start seeing teams that either have everything to play for or nothing to play for and things are gonna get weird the, the teams that are gunning for something, um, maybe the Utahs and the Denvers and t- the, these teams that are like actually playing for something and for seeding position, um, those teams are still going to be valuable in the spots where they are going to have to try. Then again, if there's a spot where like the Nuggets play the Warriors without Steph Curry or something like that, do they rest Jokic? I don't know because like the it's, they don't need to care about that game. So we're getting into those spots where uh, the rotations are going to be just BS. Players going to be resting for no reason. We're going to see a lot of like weirdo Alex Len type games from last night where, you know, 37. That's not weird. No, he, he was, he was 25% out. I, I'm saying that like the, these like guys that suck are going to be valuable. Like, because we can agree that Alex Len sucks and that he was valuable. And Alex Len is a good DFS player, but he sucks at basketball. Oh, and of course, who cares? Who cares? Who actually (laughs) sucks? Sucks at actual basketball. There are plenty of people that suck at the actual sport. My my point is just that we're gonna. Adabert Dalmondesi sucks at baseball, yet he's valuable in fantasy. That's true. My my point. we're, We're just gonna have all these guys who like. It, it's it's just that part of the season. So yeah, eleven days until baseball season starts, where we actually like can have some fun playing DFS again. Because I think I don't know anybody except for like I had a subscriber who did really well in the eight 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 the other day. Like he probably had fun playing NBA DFS. I don't, I don't know many people that are outside of the guys who are like hitting a five figure win one day and. And then they can just stop playing baseball, right? Like at at this point, if you hit for five figures in NBA, just put it away. Just stop playing NBA. You're up for the year. Just wait for baseball. I'm up for the year. Good. Put it away. Wait for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I still got to play cash games. Well, because of your experiment, yes. Yeah. Right. So that I have to. I almost have to. It's it's going to be a pain in the ass in eleven days. I'm going to. I'm doing that in baseball also. So I'm going to play across three sites in NBA, three sites in base, and then still manage to be able to get GPP teams. Cause I was planning on playing GPPs on, on multiple sites also, but I may not be able to do that until basketball is over. Cause basketball, it, it sounds weird, but playing cash games with just playing, you know, projected optimals is actually much more tougher 
in in basketball than it is for any other sport because things change so quickly. Like yesterday, I was doing crunch time. So like I'm on a show for like 45 minutes. Like it's hard, it's hard for me to just constantly refresh projections and then be able to update on three sites while I'm on camera talking about the slate. And I actually missed, I missed an update. It wouldn't have mattered. I mean, it's maybe some head to heads, right? I, I, I scored eight points higher than what I, the lineup I should have had. Like I had the, I had the lineup from like the, before like the last like 10 minutes to go update. Uh, like the Alfred Payton news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it was that. I, uh, I'm not even sure. I'm not even, I'm not even sure what it was. Yeah. I, I can't remember what news broke last night, but regardless, he's still right. But I'm just saying, but I mean, it, it, other than maybe some head to heads, it wouldn't have mattered that much. It would have cashed regardless, Yeah. but like keeping up with that baseball, like you don't like, you really don't get, I mean, what, what, unless these West coast teams, sometimes have lineups out past, you know, you get the angels, you don't get their lineup sometimes their exact lineup. And yeah, then it, yeah, and it so needs to fair. be, and, and it also needs to be like a player that is unexpectedly like leading off when they're normally batting eighth. Like I'm talking about for, for cash games where, where you get the, you know, the $2,800 guy bleeding off and then they pop, you know, we get the Locastro's. Yeah, you know, where, where he's two thousand, and then up oh, he's leading off the Diamondbacks type of thing, and then then you jam him into cash games because of the plate appearance expectation. But outside of that, like you, most of the time it doesn't change anyway. Like you know, like what the the lineup that you're playing in cash games in MLB, like you you could pretty much set it at five o'clock, six o'clock. I mean, like it's not much is going to change that you'd be that you'd be doing that. But in basketball, you're doing that all the time. Yeah, I mean, especially towards silly season, you're gonna be. Well, this guy's out, that guy's in there. Well, oh, this, or no one's in or out. It's just that oh, the starting lineup. Look at the Warriors the other day. <laughs> like, who knows? Who knows? You had people over the weekend, whatever. Right? We we Curry was out. And then people are expecting Nico Mannion to start, and then he doesn't start. And then they didn't swap off him. He was still twenty eight percent owned. Right. And then yeah, people still played him. And I, I was wondering why. And he, and he ended up getting four minutes of garbage time to get like maybe an extra four points or something. Yeah. But had that game been close, he would have, he was almost a DNP. I mean, he played like think eight minutes total. The, uh, the thing that just grinds my gears about silly season. I, I regged relatively heavy the other day on like Saturday or something. It was, when, it was when Ben Simmons got, gets ruled out half an hour before slot lock. It was four games late. And like I like shorter slates. I, I like a three In to basketball? a basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh. Um, because the chalk gets so condensed that you really only have to like avoid one or two guys that are 60 plus percent owned, and like you can just do whatever else you want. Like I, I like I play all the guys that are 30 percent owned. I mean, it's no, I, 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 I do. Are but, you talking about small small field or large? Because in large field GPP and small slates, you have to find you have to find the guy that field. got got small 16 field. minutes and went off. No, small field. Like I, okay, I, I it's different. So well, it's different for me because it like I was going to go. Uh, it was that second game that Steph Curry was out, and Andrew Wiggins was going to be super chalk again. So I wanted to, to switch over to Ubre and get a direct pivot there. And like, right, well, that didn't work out for you. Wiggins went for a whatever. Moment. It's a good idea. Anyway, <laughs> like, I have this idea at the beginning of the day, and I'm like going through it, and I regged because I'm like ready to take advantage of shitty Andrew Wiggins' job. And uh, then 30 minutes before slate locks, Ben Simmons gets ruled out. And at that point, I hate a four-game slate because now you're dealing with like multiple pieces of like optimal shock that like fading Tobias Harris is a bad idea. Fading like most of the Sixers without Joel Embiid's Ben Simmons is a bad idea. And, and on top of that, the Golden State Warriors shock, stuff like that. But like I couldn't withdraw because the contests were filled. And that's the thing that grinds my games. Like going into silly season when you reg your contests, and especially if you're playing the smaller fields like I am, those things fill an hour and a half before the slate locks. So like at that point, I'm just like, well, this is probably burn money. So like it, that that's the thing that pisses me off though. So but not being able to unregister? Yeah. 
Yeah, not being able to withdraw. Because like I don't I don't want to play a slate. I, I was excited about that slate because I saw the pieces of leverage that I was really excited about taking off. And then later on, when Ben Simmons, who was like not supposed to be out and then just gets ruled out at that isn't point. Isn't there edge there? Why wouldn't you like that? Isn't that, 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 edge that edge? more it is more volatile at that point? Because like I ended up fading. I ended up fading Tobias Harris and Andrew Wiggins. And that was like Tobias Harris. And they both, they both put up a million points. He shot 75% from the field. He had, he, he hit value in the first half. He still only put up like what? 59 fantasy points or 60 fantasy points or something. So he only, only got that's 10 X. That, but he shot 75% from the field and I can't control that. And those are the kinds of things that like, it's frustrating because I would have liked to have played Tobias Harris if Ben Simmons was in, but then after that, at 75% owned, I don't want to play him, and I just hated it. I just hated it. So that's my spiel. They knew that. That's why. They, that's why they shot well. They knew that. They knew that they were in your lineup. Or they, well, you they, know what? They I knew that they were chalk. I know. I see that in Discord. How I, come I, they? I, how come Derek White always knows when he's chalk? I never get Tobias Harris right, Jordan. So I just don't play him because I just right, right, because because right. But when someone's that volatile, when you never get him right, you just might, might as well never play them, right? So you know, but and then you'll never get him right doing that, right? That's true. Miss on the, the never play again definitely. list. Do you have a never play again list? I have a never play again list. It's a blank piece of paper because there's no such thing as a never play again. <laughs> we got people oh, in the no. chat. We got people in the chat. Good morning, everyone. I forgot to got to mention. You guys, hit the thumbs up button for the apple juice. There you go. Thumbs up, subscribe button, and the notification bell to know when we go live in the morning. Uh, and as well as Grinders Live tonight. That, that's Grinders Live. We have a 7.30 slate. So Grinders Live is at 6 with Dean and someone else. Uh, gonna be so, I don't know who, but it'll be someone else there also. Uh, we got Mr. Meat Plow in chat, Alex Santi, uh, Don Radke, Chandler Cannon. Uh, Al Marillo says, so yesterday I was playing in single entry and decided to replace Taylor Horton Tucker for Emmanuel uh, Quickly. And uh, that didn't work out. People rushed into that. I mean, truthfully, yesterday, Quickly was under-owned, right? Because the news came out that Peyton wasn't going to play after Locke. And on most sites, like quickly on both sites were like, if we knew that information beforehand, he would have been more owned. I don't think quickly projected like smashing wise, but I mean, he was still, he was still, a, he was still a, a fair play. He was, if, if, if you, if you, if you knew he was going to start over Peyton and Peyton wasn't going to play that, like he, he was viable. He was good. Uh, but then obviously it's, it's Tibbs and, quickly just i don't know he what did he play like 22 minutes or something like that he didn't play much yeah uh so a lot of people got a lot of the late swap the late swap people got burned on quickly yesterday but i mean i'm just i'm just surprised that that on a on a six game slate he was still i was expecting him to still be like 20 25 owned even with the news coming a half an hour after lock um i mean he was, or was the news after lock or was the news just before lock? It was like it, it I think it was after lock. I think it was slightly after lock. And like the the reason why he wasn't higher owned, like 6k, there's just massive ownership on it was 5100 on FanDuel. Oh, on, on FanDuel. Well, I mean, even still, like how how owned was Harden last night? Harden was owned a ton. He was the one of the chalkiest guys in the slate. Yeah, I just I I think that the way what what does quickly play on FanDuel? Sh- shooting guard. That's that's okay. So I, I just think that like it was kind of a weird, it was just kind of like a weird price for him. I don't think that pe- I, I think that people were instead playing like cheap forwards and a cheap center, right? Because her is Harrell a center over on FanDuel? I don't play. Yeah, most people play Jared Allen, sixty-seven hundred. Yeah, like, FanDuel and DraftKings. I mean, just to put things in perspective. Vandal and DraftKings are like two different games in NBA. It's it's so the pricing and the and the, the the positional eligibility, like like when you like you you don't have to play Tail and Horton Horton Thucker, uh, you know, and Alex Caruso and all those Lakers on Fanduel because the pricing is so soft. You typically don't need those type of punty type players. And DraftKings, you almost always need those type of guys. 
So like that, that's yeah. why like on, on FanDuel, like shooting guard position wasn't all that great. A lot of efficiently priced guys. I, I would expect it to be Harden plus a cheap shooting guard and quickly kind of fits that bill right there, right in that, in that range. Nah, no, pe- people would have gone James Harden and, and Tom Horton Tucker. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, because like people, so people remember from the preseason when THT was like doing well for the Lakers and no LeBron James and no Anthony Davis. Like I had THT as like a must play. Uh, and he was only 4K on, on FanDuel. So pairing him. You still need raw points. Yeah, but like you can get raw points from then also paying up for Westbrook or for Donkic or whatever. Like I, I, I just think that like there's so much value to be had at like the forward positions and with THT. People are just going to pay up for Harden and then another really expensive point guard. And especially you can still they, do that and not have to play Horton Tucker. Especially if they had Jared Allen at, at 6,300 center. Like, right, I, that, 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 there you go. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that quickly was probably under owned, but it did come out after lock. Uh, right. well, I mean, I understand on DraftKings. I mean, at his price on DraftKings, I get it. Yeah. But whenever and, and, so much cheaper on FanDuel than on DraftKings, that's a sign that you should be playing them on FanDuel. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. I, that. I mean, take a look. Take a look at today, and like Devonte Graham is forty eight hundred on DraftKings, forty three hundred on FanDuel. Marcus Smart on DraftKings is 5,600 and 5,000 on FanDuel with with Kemba out. I mean, you can even take a look at Jalen. Is Jalen Brown still cheaper on... Yeah, Jalen Brown is cheaper on... Fan, 100 cheaper on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. Rogier is 5,900 on FanDuel. He's got to be more expensive. He's 6,600 on DraftKings. Yeah. But did you, all this does is make it so that uh, on DraftKings, in order to play these types of guys, you probably have to punt in a position. You know, you, you're, you're a little bit uh, condensed salary-wise. But on FanDuel, I mean, you're just – like you take a look at some – you take some of these, you know, cheap value, quote, value plays, you look at and go, like, why do you need to? Like there are people who are going to play Malik Monk on FanDuel. At thirty five hundred, like why? Like, you still need raw points. I mean, like at what? Like, who are you paying up for on this? I mean, I mean, literally on Fanduel, who are you paying up for? I mean, even on DraftKings, I... right? Who are you paying up for on DraftKings? Also, yeah. right? There's no, there's no one over ninety five hundred. Yeah, there's Carl Anthony Towns, the most expensive player on DraftKings, which is like that's that's weird. Um, Demonis Sabonis is probably too cheap in this spot, and. Yeah, he's it's, not, it's no, he's not really. I mean, based on our projections, he's like, eh. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> considering that he was a 10K player earlier on in the year. Sure. I, I just, I don't know. He he has the potential for 50 plus fantasy points pretty easily. But uh, regardless, how silly is it that on FanDuel you have a higher cap and the players are cheaper? Right. Well, that, that, but that's the reason why you could play better players. You feel like you have a better lineup on FanDuel when, but everyone is like that. Right. Everybody has a better lineup. And, right. And so still, you're not doing anything. It doesn't, oh, I feel like I can play all the good players. And so, so can everybody that, that probably makes it harder. Yeah. We, and we've talked about that before on the show. We've talked about how on FanDuel, like you feel like you are building better lineups and you feel like you have a better chance to win and you feel like you have a better chance to cash, but you don't because every it's, it's probably harder because players like Jordan get to make those same decisions and get to make those same lineups that have good players all across the board. And, and so he doesn't have to punt on draft or on FanDuel. Like he doesn't have to take the Malik Monk. He doesn't have to go all the way down to THT last night. Like he can make lineups that have higher ceilings and without punting uh, and without taking on the volatility that you have to take on on DraftKings. So FanDuel, right, but, and then, then on, on DraftKings, when everyone has to do that, to me, it, it evens it evens the field because I think if so, you yeah. make m- mistakes on DraftKings, aren't punished as much as they are in FanDuel mm-hmm. because the the, in, the the pricing is more efficient. A lot of people get that wrong. A lot of average players think the opposite way. When the pl- when the when the prices are sharper versus the prices are not sharp. Okay, so if the let let's say on this slate we have with the with the the Milwaukee. 
So we obviously the sites didn't didn't. I mean, probably Fanduel wouldn't have done anything anyway, even if we knew a day in advance. But uh, but Giannis was listed out on the eight thirty last night injury report for a doubtful. That we're going to treat it as he's out. Uh, on Fanduel, like the efficient prices on Fanduel for Middleton and Hall. Middleton should be ninety eight hundred on Fanduel, right? I, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, and Holiday, Drew Holiday should probably be 9,000. Like, these guys should be nine, 9K-plus players with Giannis out. Yeah. And they're probably the same thing on DraftKings. I mean, you probably – Middleton should probably be 9,200, Holiday 8,500 or something. So, yeah. I mean, they're they're like 1,500 to 2,000 underpriced. Yeah. So, that – so, one of the keys of DFS is figuring out, you know, where the pricing inefficiencies are. Now, the bigger the pricing inefficiencies, the easier it is to find. So, like, anyone and their mother is going to know that Middleton and Holiday are, like, good plays today, right? Like, every, like and, and that, that's easy. Now, to the average player, that seems like, that seems like oh, I, li- I like when I, when, I, when I know who to play, mm-hmm. right? So, they'll go on FanDuel, right? They'll play Middleton and Holiday. They'll play, like, Rogier or Graham. They'll play Tatum. Jalen Brown, right? Because Kemba's out and these guys are still probably a little too cheap, right? They're going to put together a lineup like that and go like, I f- they feel like, oh, I found the good plays. But now these plays are also heavily owned and like everyone else. I mean, not only are the sharper players finding these guys, the weaker players are also. So even if you're an, if you're an average player, even the people that are worse than you, are like, well, Giannis is out. How do I not jam in Middleton and Holiday? Like, how do like, how do I not do that? On DraftKings, you, you can't do that as much. Like on DraftKings, you have to actually make concessions and go, I don't like yesterday. I don't know. I, I'm playing Alex Caruso. I guess I'm playing uh, Mark Morris. I get like, but everyone has to do that. But the difference is, is that the pricing on DraftKings is much sharper, which means that the inefficiency between players is much smaller, which means the difference between playing a $4,200 guy that projects for 19 versus a $4,200 guy that projects for 17.5 is not that much of a difference. Yet the guy that projects for 19 will be way more on the the guy that projects for 17.5 because it's a one and a half point difference in Whatever, but that's such so small that if you made the mistake on DraftKings and instead of playing the 19-point projected guy and played the 17-and-a-half projected guy that was five times less owned, that isn't that much of a mistake. Like in the grand scheme, if you if you missed on that quote value, you didn't get punished as much because really, is it that good? It's just relatively in comparison to five other players at that price range or in that type of line of construction. So if you miss those types of things on DraftKings, you don't get punished that much because the pricing is so much more efficient. You're probably going to, if you're going to pay $4,200 for a player, you're more often going to get $4,200 worth of production, regardless of who you, of who you select on FanDuel. You could have a, we could have $4,200 guy that should be 7,000, and then a $4,200 guy, that's really a $4,200 guy. So you pick the wrong $4,200 guy and don't pick the guy that's obviously 2000 to 3000 underpriced, you're dead, right? So that to me, that's, that's, that's the thing that people don't get. They go, well, I like the soft pricing because it may, I can build better lineups. It's like, well, all your mistakes are now going to be amplified. And if you're a worse player, obviously you tend to make more mistakes. Just like poker, DFS a lot of times is a game of who can make the least amount of mistakes, not who can make the best plays. So on DraftKings, based on their pricing, it's rare that it's much less likely for you to make mistakes. And FanDuel, it's much more likely for you to make mistakes. And they're amplified more. So... I mean, I, I, James, we hear it all the time that a lot of people like like weaker players. You look at them, you go, okay, you're not a very good player, but you, they prefer FanDuel. And, that, and then, then what ends up happening, it's a self, 
it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that they like to play on FanDuel and it's like, well, soft direction on FanDuel. I'm going over. The sharper players are like, I'm going over on the FanDuel. And then I take a look at my my cash bankroll tracker and go, wow, I've made a lot of money on FanDuel. Uh, what, are, what are people doing wrong? And uh, apparently people do a lot of things wrong there. Yeah. And another thing about that is when people say, because of the difference in the way that you have to build on FanDuel as well, in like both bet in both baseball and in NBA, uh, the way that you build on FanDuel is much less prone to it. Th- there's less variance in the way that you build on FanDuel, just plain and simple because in, in NBA for one, because MPA, MPE exists on DraftKings, multi-positional eligibility. Uh, you can play pretty much anybody wherever you want to play them. Um, so you have to make the right decisions twofold there, right? Like you, you don't have the luxury of being able to look at each position um, in a vacuum and just choose players and say, okay, well, if every player that I chose is a top five play at that position on the slate, then I'm probably going to end up doing well. On DraftKings, you have to have like, not you have to have an entire lineup of the top 15 players of, of the entire slate in terms of like point per dollar value in order to do well on FanDuel. You don't on FanDuel. You can be a little bit less perfect about the lineups that are built. Um, and so that makes it so that players who are not quite as good can go over there and they can build lineups that are going to be punished less. Like you said, because they, they build in a way that is less variant and you have to be less exact. Same thing with baseball. Um, one pitcher versus two pitchers is a massive, massive, massive difference in the way that your lineups are going to be filled out and the way that things are going to happen through the slate. Uh, you basically have double the volatility over on DraftKings because you have to take two pitchers, whereas on FanDuel, you only have to take one. And the strategy is a lot different on, on that as well. So like all of these things combined, yeah, you can build quote unquote better lineups, well, you, you can't build better lineups. We should stop saying that. You can build lineups with better players on FanDuel, but you can't build better lineups. Um, if you're not a good player, you won't build better lineups on either side. Like you can have better players, but that doesn't always mean you're going. Yeah, to but you're going to get. Pu- but you're going to get punished more on FanDuel. You'll get crushed. Yeah, right. But uh, but for especially in GPPs for first place. Mm-hmm. You're more you're more likely to do better on on DraftKings, but this goes against what a lot of it, it, it's the same type of conversation we have about uh, the the edge in late swap. That late swap in NBA is so massive, edge wise. If you're a if you're a casual player, if you're a weaker player, if you're an average player, you don't want it. You'd rather the game today's slate locks at seven thirty, and you're done. And if you want to take a shot on a questionable guy, or you want to take a shot on the people that that benefit in case that guy's out, feel free to, to caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware. Take a shot if you want, but everything locks at seven thirty. But the thing that comes in every once in a while, oh my god, I played a guy that gets a zero, or something like that. You're on the, if you play every day, if you played every day, you played 150 slates and let's say five, seven, let's say five to seven, five, eight slates. It happened to you that you, and you just played one lineup. You were just playing single entry and you played, you played a guy that, you know, Jimmy Butler got ruled out, you know, in the late Miami game or something, whatever. Uh, and you got a zero, and obviously you didn't cash. Uh, over the course of the season, you would lose more money by if you never got zeros and you were able to late swap. If you were able to late swap and you never did, other than the times where the guy was out. So, like, to put things into perspective, like, okay, the time that, oh, Paul George got ruled out, two minutes before lock and I didn't have time to switch and then swap them out. Okay. I got to swap Paul George out for the next, whatever guy at small forward or shoot a guard or whatever. Uh, versus if you're late swapping like six times a night, if you're, 
you know, seeing what the starting lineups are at nine o'clock and then swapping here. All, all the good players do this. Like it's, it's constant. So uh, would you rather uh, bomb five slates? Like automate, like, okay, no late swap. I, I knew what I was getting into. Played a questionable guy. Got downgraded to garbage, nothing out. Or just so you could feel better versus, okay, I'm 150 slates of you get, having a negative five to 10% edge every single slate because you set your stuff up at seven o'clock and unless someone gets injured, you don't change anything. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh, the new starting lineup. Uh, oh, this, uh, you know, someone's out. Abaka's out. Oh, okay. Do we move it? Like no one, so few people make, make those swaps. But other than the sharpest players, in, in, that's all the sharp players do. So a lot of casuals go, no, I, don't, I want late swap because I don't like the experience of, I want to be able to swap out if this happens. It's like, dude, you should be swapping regardless. If not, then, or anything. So you constantly be doing it. And if you're not going to be doing it, then you might as well just not have it at all. So it's one of the, it's one of these, these, the same thing with the, the sharp pricing. Like a lot, I see, I see a lot of uh, uh, sharp players, seemingly sharp players that want sharp pricing. That's like, dude, what's FanDuel doing? Right? Look, this, you know, Middleton, Holiday. I mean, obviously they didn't this time, but sometimes they, sometimes they know, right? They know it beads out. And then all of a sudden the Sixers are still too underpriced. Uh, you want soft pricing as a sharp player. Because let's take a look at Middleton's ownership on FanDuel tonight, okay? It's it's not going to be 100%, right? Holiday's ownership is not going to be out there. They're going to be people that make mistakes. They're going to be people that say, I'm going to fade this guy for leverage and then not build a good lineup. And the mistake with that is not fading the highest owned guy on the slate. The problem is the roster construction after you do that. So like some people, some people go, if Middleton's going to be, let's say on FanDuel, he's a small forward. Let's say he's going to be eight in GPP, in large field GPP. He's going to be 85% owned. Now, obviously that's a good leverage situation. Obviously, you know, playing uh, Holiday instead of him, playing DiVincenzo, playing Brooke Lopez, do some type of direct, type of thing is beneficial. But then once you're fading an 85% on guy on what, this is a big enough slate, right? We're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight game slate. Like the rest of your lineup could be chalk city. Like you should be trying to jam, because obviously you're going to be sacrificing a hell of a lot of projection by fading Middleton. So you want to keep your projection high. You don't need, you don't need to do, much else you're, if you're fading an 85% on guy, if he ends up being 85%. The problem comes in is that the type of people typically that are like, Milton's going to be high on, I'm going to fade him. And then they start being different elsewhere. Then the whole lineup starts being like 11% on guys and 8% on guys. And their projection is like 35. Cause on FanDuel, you get punished more. Like their median projection for their lineup is like 35 points lower than everyone else's. And it's like, you, you, I know you, oh, you got all the leverage. Yes, but you not, not enough to make up 35 median points, right? There, there are going to be some people on FanDuel tonight that are like, I'm just going to fade the Bucks pacers game altogether. And I'm going to say you're crazy. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, that you don't have to do that. Can you build a lineup like that? I mean, like literally, like I'm going to go here. I got, I got lineup HQ queued up, okay? I mean, take a look at these RGVs. Wait, wait, okay. Holiday. Let's, let's let's take a bet here on how many points you think it's going to be under the median when you take those guys out. No, well, it'll be like it'll be almost twenty. Think it'll be twenty? Yeah. I'll, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. Could, I could tell by I could tell by the plus minus. It'll be it'll be about uh, eighteen or so. So let me let me okay let me let me ref- I'll just do it based on five. I don't think anything's refreshed now. So if I build ten lineups like this with them in. On FanDuel, I'm talking about FanDuel. I mean, DraftKings is similar, but FanDuel, okay, 30, 300, 345, 72. 
That's the optimal median. It's going to be a high-scoring slate tonight. <laughs> uh, you're going to need you're going to need like 440 to win a GPP on Vandal tonight. Uh, okay, so I got 345.72. So if I take out Holiday, Middleton, DiVincenzo, who was only in one of the ten lineups anyway. Okay, I'm predicting that we're going to get a lineup at like uh, 328 or something like that. Okay, I'm going to build 10. 331. Yeah. So by fading those, do we get any other bucks in here? Do we get in, uh, let's see, do we, in the first 10? No. Okay, so by fading Holiday and Middleton, you lose 13, no, four, 14 points in projection. Now, let's say you also fade uh, Brown and Tatum. <laughs> Right? On FanDuel. Okay, so we're gonna fade the Bucks and and let's say I take out Tice, take out Smart, fade the Celtics all together. Just fade them all together completely. And build 10 lineups. You're down to 325. Now you're 20 points under. You see how this could rack up, I mean, very quickly. Now let's take a look at DraftKings. Okay. DraftKings, we're going to kind of see the same thing. <laughs> Run DK. Optimal is 294.57. I'm going to take out Middleton and Holiday. And Connington and DiVincenzo also. Run this. 283. Yep. So you lose 11 points. Not as much as 14, not as much as FanDuel. But you lose 11 points. Then you take out Tatum and Brown and Smart. We got any other Celtics here? Let's see, Tice. There's Tice. We run this again. We're down to 279. That's 15 points. Can, can you do it? Yes. In large field, you can do this. I mean, it's it's super leverage. You have to get, basically, you're hoping that those games just dud. Like, just blow out, tie, you know, something, something or whatever happens. You can do it. But I, I, I'd be more likely to play one or the, like, if we, instead of fading those games, let's say on draft, let's go to FanDuel. FanDuel's a little bit better. So instead of fading the Bucks and the Celtics, let's say I put these guys back in. Where's the excluded? I'm going to put all these guys back in, okay? Let's say we just set up a group for each of the teams. I can even set it on team player groups to make it even easier, right? Team player groups, create team groups, okay, they automatically default to the use at most two. But I'm going to go to Boston and I'm going to go to one. And I'm going to go to Charlotte and go to one because we have the, you know, with Lamella Ball out. I'm going to go to Milwaukee and limit it to one. Okay. So that means you can't play Holiday and Middleton together. You can't play Brown and Tatum together. But you can play one of them which will give you enough leverage as it is. So now we build 10 lineups. 337. So the optimal is 345. The one without the Bucks is 331. The one without the Bucks and the Celtics is 325. But the one where you're just not playing like more than two of them together is 337. What I mean by more than two of them together, because obviously you're, you're, play, you're playing, like in this lineup, you play Middleton and Jalen Brown, right? You may have Tatum, see, he Tatum Middleton, right? Middleton's in actually all 10 lineups because he projects better than Holiday. But at this point on FanDuel, you're only giving up eight points projection. So if you just did that, you're good. Like you just did, like whatever this this lineup is right now: Rubio, Garland, Graham, Van Vliet, Brown, Middleton, Wood, Sabonis, Zubac. Like you're good. Like you're done. 
But the thing is, is that a lot of a lot of average weak players, whatever, are gonna get even like more nutso than this. Right? So then they're gonna have a lineup that's gonna project at like 328. And it's like, dude, you're like, you don't need that. Dude, you're like you're 20, you're, you're like almost 20 points below for no reason. For like because the ownership is probably gonna end up being about the same. And you're gonna be sacrificing. But this, this, this is the mistakes that people do on FanDuel, that weak players do on FanDuel. They sacrifice 10 points of projection without getting the requisite ownership. Or they already have the, they already have the requisite ownership. Like, they, I'm going to fade Middleton and Holiday, and then, like, no, you should be jamming in as much projection as possible at this point. You have the leverage. Like, but I want to stack this. I want to play this guy. And, like, like, you're dead. You're dead on FanDuel. You're more likely to do that on DraftKings. But on a Fandle, the more you, you you give up your projection on Fandle, you're just killing yourself. These players sometimes are so uh, inefficiently priced that oh you oh I, I'm just gonna uh, instead of playing the inefficiently priced players, I'm just gonna play all the efficiently priced players. Well, good luck to you on Fandle for that. Right? Thank thank you for paying the rake. DraftKings, you're more likely to do that. You said some slates, you go on DraftKings and you're like, I'm just gonna pay efficient prices for players. He's like, well, who isn't? Everyone is because no one's underpriced and everyone is sharper pricing. But it's weird. It's weird to say that to explain it this way, you'll get plenty of average, your average Joe DFS player that goes, no, no, but I like, I still, I like FanDuel more. I like, like I do, or they say I do better on FanDuel. And then they, I go, how many have, how many GPPs have you won? More. I go, yeah, well, that's it. There's the, there's the, we got the trifecta of, uh, of, uh, of wrongitudes or whatever that you could, oh, but I cash more. It's like, did you, how much money did you make last year? I lost money. Like, you lost money cashing more. Oh, oh, that, that's, that's the, that's the object of the game, right? Who cares about cashing? How much money did you make? It's like, well, I feel like I'm more competitive. Like, who, no one cares about your feelings. Money doesn't care about your feelings. But are these the types of things, James? I mean, we, we talk about this a lot in, in, in the, not a lot. I mean, these uh, talk about how average players think, but just how you should be thinking about your lineups in your DFS play that it may, it may, it may seem counter to your, like, to your lizard brain, but Matt, like mathematically makes so much more sense. Yeah. It's a psychological thing. It, it's just something where people look at, uh, it, it is very hard to get past the idea of wanting to cash more. And, you know, you, you run into it a lot as a content creator of people saying, oh, well, I, I haven't cashed in, you know, the last couple of slates or like I haven't cashed in a week. It's like, dude, I have down swings where like in GPPs, I won't cash for like two weeks in NBA. Just, just because like the way that I play, I'm not going to cash very often, but I don't want to cash very often. I just want to win like two slates a year in NBA. That's it. That's all that I really care about. Um, cashing in between is just gravy. If I can, that's cool, man. Like if I min cash a slate, neat, but it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's just a psychological thing that's really hard to get past. And that's one of the reasons why you should supplement your GPP play with cash games. And I tell that to people all the time. Uh, like You have to be good at cash games, though. I mean, they don't do that and be... Have you poor contest selection. Right. You do have to be good at cash games. But I do think that if if your goal is to cash more, play cash games. If your goal is to cash more, play cash games. If your goal is to win a slate, play GPPs. But understand the difference. That there's a huge difference between the two. And there's a huge difference in the way that you should play between the two. And there's a huge difference in your goals between the two. Like, it just... Just understand what kind of a player you are and understand what kind of money you want to make and understand why you're playing the game. Um, because if you're playing GPPs and, and you're like, well, I, I just want to have a chance to min cash tonight, then don't play GPPs. Just don't do that to yourself. It, it doesn't do anything. You're just paying a shit ton of rake over the course of the year and, uh, and you're going to lose money. So just play cash games if you want to cash more. Um, especially on FanDuel. Like, you, you can see Jordan's results in, in playing cash games on FanDuel. People make a lot of mistakes on FanDuel, uh, especially in cash games. Um, right. But, I, 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 there's, so many, there's so many slates where yeah. my lineup isn't all that good, and I go, wow, I'm going to take a 
well, this guy does it, and then I still make money. I go, what? Yeah. What were what were people doing? It doesn't make any sense. So, right, I, I, what were people doing? DraftKings, you make one little mistake, you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. Oh, I picked the guy that's us. Uh, you have one snowflake in your lineup, dead. Scorn, the volcano comes down, the big finger, you, you, nothing. You, FanDuel, you know, like you could take a zero and, and 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 make money in cash games sometimes. You are smoting, smitten on. Well, play play cash games on FanDuel. I, I have a, a subscriber who is very dedicated to trying to be better and trying to learn how to play the game in a long term sense, and he's learned a lot along the way. Um, and the other day, he he was talking about your cash game adventure, your cash game, uh, your cash game experiment here going on in NBA. And he was like, well, if I just wanted to to build my bankroll using that strategy, would that work? I'm like, if you're as good as Blender and and like, if you- Well, you don't even have to be good as good as me. Just, no, if, you, if you have yeah. Roto-Grinders projections and just use them, that, that's it. Yeah. But you, I, the other thing about that is that the reason why you do so much better on FanDuel is your contest selection is significantly better. Like you understand how to find the contest that you need to be playing on FanDuel. And the other side of that is like, you have the bankroll to actually do that and really build a bankroll across that. I, I think that it was, a, it was a couple of years ago, I was talking on Twitter with like some of the other big players, like Dink Meyer and, and like some of the other cash grinders, Levitan, about how much money you have to actually play in cash games in order to like grind it up and actually have some sort of a notable profit by the end of the year. And, and if it's not enough, then you, sh- if you want to build your bankroll, you need to be doing it very, very efficiently. And you need to have that in perspective of how much money you can actually make. Because if you want to grind cash games, that's awesome. Uh, expect a four, maybe 5% return profit by the end of the year. And if your bankroll is only like a thousand bucks a month or something like that, play some GPPs. <laughs> just like play some GPPs if you like want to actually build things up and like have some bigger hits and have something to show for it by the end of the year because the the illusions of like being able to win 75% of your cash games and like make that much money even on FanDuel where people are playing like monkeys like I it's hard it's hard well it's all in, it's all in relation to your bankroll size absolutely what you're talking about is is the raw is raw money. Mm-hmm. I always talk about the difference between that. So like, it's not about the size of the bankroll. It's about like, I believe if you, if you do what I'm doing, you you're right now. Like if I take a look at my chart right now, like my multiplier is 2.11, which means I have 111% return. So I, and on my initial investment of $20,000, is now at almost 43,000. So that's about $23,000 in profit over there, over what? It's been three months. Yep. $23,000 for three months is pretty damn good, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, in, ra- in raw money. But really it is, it's all I've done is like basically a little over doubled. Mm-hmm. So if you did this and you had a $1,000 bankroll and you paid 10% of it and you did exactly you know, similar contests that I played. Obviously, your ROI could be a slightly higher because if you're only filling like $100 of volume a day, you don't need to take $25 double ups that sharper players are in. I do in order to fill my volume up. Uh, so let's just say you doubled. In three months, you went from 1000 to 2000 Like $1,000 playing DFS is not, for cash games, is not bad. But in raw money, we, we played three months worth of slates. So about <laughs> 90 days, right? So we take $1,000 divided it by 90. That means you, your earn per day, if you want to consider it a daily pay, was a little over 11 bucks. Get, get a job at McDonald's, dude. Right, right. <laughs> that, now, 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 that, that's why people now understand what I mean by your time would be better spent. Because remember, and in doing this with the projections, like I don't need to do much during the day, but between seven and 10, right. That three hour period in between the games, I always have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So let's say now we take that thousand. So $11 a day, right. A thousand divided by, uh, let's give you a little bit higher, higher because you're playing smaller stakes, 1200, right. You've turned your bankroll from 1000 to 2,500 even. 
So now you've made $1,500 over 90 days. So that's about $16.66 a day. And you only need to put in three hours worth of work. You just made $5.55 an hour. (laughs) That's less than minimum wage though, Jordan. Right. That's less than minimum wage. But let's say for me, see the, the 90 and the three parts stays the same. Right. So now instead of playing, making 1500, I've made 23,000, 23,000. That comes to $85 an hour. That's pretty good. Right. Divided by 90 on average. I mean, we've played 86 slates, but whatever, $255 a day. You're basically a low end engineer at this point. Right. Right. And, and my goals, and you know me with my goals, my goals are, can I make 50 to $75,000 a year playing DFS? Mm-hmm. Like, so like I'm maximizing for that. There's some people that maximize that maximize their probability of hitting 200,000, 300,000, 500,000, which, which I'm fine. I, I, those are, those are per- they're perfectly fine. Take high variance approach and do it that way. And over the course of a five-year period, you, you would have achieved your goals. But with my goals, I mean, I'm, I'm so far, I, I put in my rotor tracker uh, yesterday that two and a half months into the, into the year, I'm currently up uh, 34,000, a little over for $34,000. So I'm like, like I'm practically halfway there as it is. And I, and I, and what, have I binked a hundred thousand? Have I, have I been playing large field GPPs? Have I, no. So it's like, but the reason why the number sounds good is because it's not, well, you have a bigger bankroll. It's like, yeah. So the raw money makes it worth it. But in order to get up to that amount of money, that's what you were saying when talking with high stakes cash game players. It's like, if, if you're going to play $10 a day in cash games, like, unless, unless your goal is to grind this out for five years so you could become a high stakes cash player, I think it's pointless because you're just not making enough raw money that it would be much better to play, G, get good at GPPs, play, have a $1,000 bankroll, and play 50 bucks a night in GPPs. Yep. Especially if you, if you could replenish that $1,000 bankroll, have a five, get to a $5,000 bankroll and play $150 a night, $200 a night. And then if you do think, and now you have a $50,000 bankroll and you're like, okay, I'm going to have $10,000 in cash games as a bankroll and then play $1,000 a day. So you're, you're doing half of what I'm doing. So you, let's say you started with $10,000. We'll do the same thing. If you started with 10,000 and you multiplied it by, you know, 2.2, right? So let's, so now you've made 12,000 divided by 90 on our, you know, what, what we're up to right now is $133 a day for three hours of work, which is $44 an hour. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Once you have once you have that bankroll size, it makes it you're doing the same amount of work no matter what. Yeah. So investing the more money is 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 more beneficial, but you have to get there. But it's going to be much easier for you to get there via GPPs than to take a thousand dollars because even if you one hundred and twenty percent yourself over every over season. It's going to take, to get to $10,000 in your bankroll, it'll take you five seasons. Like, dude, like, you know, that's why I consider that, that curve, that curve is going to be exponential. The more you build up your bankroll, the more you could use that money to then make more money. So it's, it's compounding. It's very similar to like the, like the stock market and like, like you're, you put it into an IRA and it starts, you get a dividends and it compounds and it compounds and it compounds. So it sounds weird for me to say as someone that does play cash games like this to say, oh, if you have a small bankroll, don't bother playing cash games. And then they go, well, you you seem to be playing them all the time. It's like, yeah, well, for the raw money to be worth it, sure. I'm gonna that that's why I'm doing it. But if you don't have the raw money and you're like, oh, I'm gonna play 80% cash, 20% GPP, it's like how do you how do you build up your bankroll? And like how how do you, how do you get there? Because even me, I didn't I didn't build up my bankroll using cash games as much. I mean, I played soccer. So soccer was a, a small 
smaller sport. Cash game strategy was very similar to GPP strategy because the contests weren't that big, right? So you didn't have to go and like nutso. But like all my big, my big swings in bankroll were all GPP wins. 4,000 even in soccer, 5,000, 2,000. And then once you build, once you're up to 10, 20,000 in your bankroll, 30,000 in your bankroll, then the raw money of playing cash games becomes, becomes more doable. And then once you get to the high, high stakes, then it becomes extremely doable, even if you have an only a 2% ROI, because obviously you're playing against better competition. So that's, that's why we're clarifying, like that, that's why I wanted to, to clarify what you were saying is that it's not that it's not worth it for that subscriber. It's just, it's a, it's a matter of raw money versus time. So if you want, if you want to work, if you want to quote work and you may think it's fun for five bucks an hour, for four bucks an hour, for two bucks an hour, be my guest. But I mean, if your goal is to make the most amount of money for the least amount of time, uh, you're not really doing it for that. You, you might as well be a Walmart greeter. Yep. And um, it's it's one of the reasons why you have to love DFS if you want to play it a lot. Like it, you you have to kind of start somewhere. Everybody has to start somewhere. Um, and if somebody hits for 10K or 15K or whatever, and now they have a bankroll where, uh, you know, they, they put away, say you hit for 10,000 and you put away 5,000. Now you have a $5,000 bankroll. You can make kind of a decision about like what your new goals are moving forward. And if you really love DFS, cause, cause even a $5,000 bankroll, like that, that's, that's nothing. Even, that's not really much. Yeah. That, that's still like only maybe 20 bucks an hour. If you're doubling that over the course of three months, right? Like we, if right. We if we do that, that calculation, if you double 5,000, yeah. About 18 bucks an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what I made. Assuming it. you put in three hours. I mean, like I said, if you're putting in more than that, Putting it five hours, that's eleven bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you have some some serious return issues. Um, but that's what I made at King Supers. I, I didn't love my job at King Supers, but I do love my job playing DFS. So maybe that's worth it to you. If eighteen bucks an hour is worth it to you, to where you don't have to go out and have a real job, and like you're you're making decent money now, quote unquote, decent money for you. If you're if eighteen bucks an hour is good, then that's awesome. Um, but it's all about goals at that point. So. Just keep it in perspective. And and again, I will say, because I always want to hammer this home, if you're playing GPPs, you're not going to cash very often. I, I think that that's probably the thing that you and I have said the most over the last couple of months is uh, GPPs, you expect to win. Uh, you do not expect to cash. So um, just, just keep your stuff in perspective and keep your goals in perspective. And when you're playing, make sure that uh, that you understand how and why you're playing. And especially on FanDuel, uh, take advantage of the mispriced players because everybody else is going to, and uh, you're you're going to be you're going to be pretty hurting if you don't take advantage of those guys. A lot of the stuff we talk about in the theory of daily fantasy sports, it's a 15 hour audio masterclass. Me and James in your pocket, 15 hours of this stuff. It applies to any sport: NBA, MLB, NFL. So if you want to start thinking like a professional DFS player. Pick that up. Theoryofdfs.com. It's structured education. I mean, we, we talk about a lot of this stuff on the pregame show as it is. But if you want one-stop shop, one place to get it all, theoryofdfs.com. And then, uh, then James, uh, people could find you at uh, paydirt.ghost.io. Can I, can I ask you? I never asked you this before. Can you just get a regular domain name? <laughs> Why can't it just be paydirt.com or something? And just mask it. I mean, do you know, you're just, you 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 know the internet. Get a DNS mask. I'm set set your DNS records. I mean, why do we have to do paydirt.ghost.io? I know what ghost is. It's a hosting service for 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 a CMS platform. It is indeed. Why why can't you just get a get a custom domain? Because I'm not a web developer, Jordan. <laughs> but still, come you, on. You did technologically sound enough. Things. No, legitimately, legitimately. I, I reached out to Ryan Hodge the other day to see if he could redesign my website because I, I know how to put together a UI. I know how to put together 
things. I know how to do things. I do you, not you don't know things. CSS? You don't know HTML? No, I don't. I don't know how to do those things. You don't know PHP? No. Well, I mean, kind of. Like I know. You don't know how to set up your own domain? I know some things, Jordan. Are you I'm kidding a, me? You could do that. You could go to Namecheap. They'll do it for you. Okay, I will. I will pay you to help me on that, and then we can. Uh, no, I don't want to do it. Oh, it's 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 menial work. I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, that's why I play DFS, so I don't have to do that work anymore. Right. right. Well, anyway, but, don't, don't, you don't. Let's, I'm going to go right now. No, we're doing this right now. Let's. <laughs> let's I'm going to go to Namecheap. Just to Namecheap? see. Namecheap. What is Namecheap? The domain registrar. See, I don't know. How do you not know this? Because I'm a model builder. I'm not a freaking website developer. Paydirt.com. Is it available? Probably not. No, no. it's not. Paydirt.net is too expensive. Paydirt.tv. Paydirt.me. But let's say you could have just the Paydirt DFS. That should be fine. Paydirt DFS. That should be, this should be available unless someone watching is going to take it. Right, it's six, seven dollars a year. All right, D- DM me on how we do this. And I'll, I'll I mean, go- how do we do it? Go to Namecheap. Go to whatever your red uh, domain registrar and fucking buy it. I don't know. I don't know. The least you could do, okay? Like I can understand you could. The the least you could do is buy it and have it forward. So go. So you still are a paid dirt, DF, paid dirt that, that ghost IIO, but at least you could say go to paydirtdfs.com and then it'll forward there. But then you could make it so that your domain is actually that. So you set to your DNS records. That's a little bit more complicated. Have Hodge do it for you. Then <laughs> I don't want to do this stuff. This is what I. This is what I used to do. I'm, I, this is the, this is the stuff I've been doing for twenty five years. That this is why I played DFS. I don't want to do this. I will pay you $85 an hour. You can skip. I don't want no. I think I still have to pay more than that to put up with this. Uh, all right. Whatever. So that's the reason. I thought that, I, I truthfully, I thought there was going to be a much smarter reason. No. I, no, I assume like, how, 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 you're, you're a man of the internet. How do you not know how domain names? Because I don't care to learn it. Because I don't. But that's, I, I but that's, that's how your outward appearance. Right, right. That's why I need help. Yeah. Okay. So, or maybe, maybe, maybe someone, maybe someone in chat. Yeah, maybe. maybe hey, hey, chat. Help me. Help me with my website. Right. Okay. So there you go. So DM DM uh, James at paydirt underscore DFS. Maybe, maybe. How about this? What we'll do? I'll 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 chip this in. If someone could help James set up his domain name for his website and make sure that it 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 works, because there may be some backend stuff that you need. You need yeah. URLs changed in the back end. Uh, you'll just get you'll get a free a free copy of uh, the course. There we go. Is that sure. good? Yep. So that's that's almost like uh, me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm I'm losing money. What am I doing? <laughs> so I'm not. I'm, I'm only. I'm not helping you. I'm I'm actively losing money. You're helping a friend, Jordan. A friend. I'm <laughs> no. It just it, it it hurts my eyes when you like every Monday. Paydirt.ghost.io. Why don't you have a domain name like any? I like typing it out, Jordan. Right. Do you under, you know, we have a theory of DFS.com. It's not like, it's not, it's not a GeoCities website. I don't no one's going to take you seriously with I, a GeoCities website is. or Angel Fire. I don't even know what those things are. Right. You're so, you're so much younger than me. <laughs> right. Those things get like, what, what, how old were you in 1998? Uh, seven. No, six. I was six. six. You were six. Yeah. You were six and I was 19. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. I was a bill and I was building websites and I was not right. I was playing with Legos probably. Right. Legos.ghost.io. I hate you. Okay. <laughs> you have to learn. Uh, a lot of people, they go, oh, you're a computer person. You have to know this. And it's like, no, apparently the same thing, like for you to me, it'd be like, you're, you're saying I used to be a web developer. I know every, I know ton, I know HTML, CSS, PHP, uh, SQL, all that type of stuff. And then you probably look at what I do in Excel and go, what are you, an idiot? And I just laugh. Yeah. Right. You just laugh. And how do you not know how to do this in Excel? And I go, there's different well, kinds I'm not, of I'm not a spreadsheet people. person. Different kinds of computer people. Right. Different types of computer people altogether. Okay. So theoryofdfs.com, paydirt.ghost.io for, for the time being. Uh, but but DM DM him paydirt underscore DFS 
have him set up a domain name, an actual domain name. We'll get, uh, we'll you can find me at Blender HD on Twitter. And uh, good luck on this. Uh, the Bucks. The, the let's see. Maybe the Bucks get blown out. Maybe maybe all the Bucks fail. Maybe Pat Connaughton is in the winning lineup. It could be something like that. You never know. And we also never know how many other people are going to be out today for no apparent reason. But uh, but until then, until next Monday, we got what we got. One more uh, basketball Monday for you, James. And then we're back. Then 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 we could get into the more baseball stuff. So so until then, it's been another episode of the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com.